Willow. This is Ruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Ruin Willow podcast. I want to welcome you to my podcast today. I'm so excited you're here. I really am. <laughs> and on my podcast, I talk about all things related to sex, sexuality, sexual health, erotica. I read mine and others. I do interviews of people who are erotica authors and other people and somehow related to something to do with sex. So that brings me to say, if you're under 18, it's time to leave the podcast now. This is not for you. But for the rest of us, oh, hell yeah, fuck yeah, let's do it. Let's go. For all of us who are 18 and over, thank you for following by the rules. Well, I am so excited you are all here listening to my podcast episode. I have a very special guest, erotica author Guy White. He writes erotic romance and he has a book out called Lockdown and Dirty. I'm excited to talk with him and introduce you all to him. And this is going to be really fun. He and I are also going to read an excerpt from his book. He's going to read the male parts and I'm going to narrate and do the female parts. And so that's going to be included in this podcast episode. And I'm always excited to do that, to work with other erotica authors in that way. It's just, it's just so much fun. <laughs> erotica author Guy White, an excerpt from his work in progress a Friend in Need by Guy White, narrated by Ruin Willow and Guy White. I sat on one end of the couch while Cat sat at the other, her eyes forward, unable to look at me. The air filled with awkward silence for a moment until she said, I did too. Did what? I felt like I had missed some part of a conversation we were supposed to be having. Get hit as a kid. My father was violent. If you ever wanted to talk about it... I don't really go into details. Trish doesn't know much beyond that it happened. That's okay. It's an offer to share as little or as much as you want. Consider it a standing offer, okay? Okay. Were you the one who gave me the ice? I asked. Trish said it would help. Thank you. Silence fell between us again. Then we could hear Trish coming down the hall. As soon as she stepped into the living room, Catherine stood up and said, I should get home. She looked nervous. I'll see you two tomorrow. Trish looked at us and said, I don't know if Mark is really gone. Maybe Ty should walk you home, just in case. Cat lived several blocks from us in one of the apartments in the Marlboro building, an apartment complex downtown. I had been there a few times with Trish. It was a newer building, and it definitely had a class divide. On the lower floors, you had shared amenities like the laundry room, but the further you went up, the square footage increased, and so did the size of the bank accounts. Cat had one of the cheaper places you could get there on the ground floor, 
but it was nicer than Trish in my apartment. Newer, at least, though it was a little smaller. It looked like Trisha's offer took the edge off Kat's anxiety. Would you? Yeah, no problem. I got up, and Kat and I put on our jackets, and I made sure to show Trish I had my keys. Lock the door. She nodded. After Kat gave Trish a little wave, we headed out. Kat and I walked without saying a word for a moment. This was the closest she ever stood to me without Trish around, but she still seemed to be walking on the far edge of the sidewalk, keeping her distance. I carried the weight of all the words left unsaid until I couldn't take it any more. Listen, Catherine, I'm sorry about... And even though seconds before I was being crushed by words, they had suddenly disappeared. What you saw back there. I'm not usually like that. It's okay, Tyler. The way Trish talks about you, I'm guessing that's never happened before. I think she once described you as a marshmallow. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little scared. But... Things went quiet again. I was waiting to hear what was supposed to come next. But what? But what you said about not liking violence, and I know it wasn't great for you, but seeing the after effects, I don't know. It made you seem more... Safe? <laughs> she actually laughed. Oh, God, did Trish tell you I said that? I can't. Uh, yes, Tyler, I think you're safe. I don't think you'd hurt me. We walked for a bit. And I'm also sorry for saying no when you asked me out. I said. I'll admit, it stung a little. It took me a while to psych myself up enough to do it. I didn't like hearing no. But I understand. When I say it's me and not you, it's not some kind of brush off or patronizing you. I had, have, a lot to work through. I get it. I really do. You don't have to keep explaining it. Now that I've got more of an idea what's going on with you, I'm glad you said no. A look of horror spread across her face. Gah! She gagged. It came out all wrong. Let me try again. A lot of people don't even try to work through their issues, and it can make any kind of relationship toxic. What I meant was, I'm glad you were self-aware enough to realize you needed space. I struggle with self-awareness sometimes, but I'm trying. And it's not like I would never want to date again. It's just... Things are complicated. I'm not going to make you talk about it if you don't want to. But I'm here to listen if you need. What about you? I asked. What do you mean? Do you need to talk about it? She looked like she was wrestling with the thought for a moment. There's not much to say. There was a lot of violent men. 
in my life. Now I, when a guy is near me, I expect violence. Like I said, I don't think you would hurt me, but it's this physical reaction, and I can't. I'm sorry. I understand that. I can't drive, and being a passenger means a Xanax for me. Shouting, slamming doors, doesn't matter how much I know it will be okay. I still feel my anxiety spike and get flashbacks. You don't have to explain that. Thank you. It's nice not having to justify every trauma response. It was a good thing I'm also attracted to women, or things could have been very lonely. I'm still sorry for feeling uncomfortable around you sometimes. You have nothing to be sorry for. Let's make a deal. We don't have to apologize or explain trauma shit. If you want to talk about it, fine. But we both know what a trauma response is. And it's not something you can fix really easily, and you didn't do anything to deserve it. Okay? Sounds like a deal. So now that we at least understand some of our issues, do you think we can put all the awkwardness behind us? She nodded. We rounded the corner. I hadn't noticed it until then, but she started walking slower, and I'd unconsciously adjusted to stay beside her but I was very aware when she moved closer to me. We were almost side by side. Well, we're about to have a whole new batch of awkwardness, so I guess it's a good plan to start fresh. Hi, I'm Tyler. Ty with most people. I'm kind of a train wreck, but I'm working on it. My friend Trish wants me to pose nude for her tomorrow. <laughs> Cat laughed and then smiled. She looked really good when she smiled. Hi, I'm Catherine, but you can call me Cat. I've worked through a lot, but not all of my bullshit. I'm going to be posing nude tomorrow for my friend Trish. Small world. <laughs> she chuckled but then fell silent again, though it felt lighter, at least until we saw a group of college-age guys coming up the sidewalk, going in the opposite direction. Her body language changed. She started walking a little quicker. I understood that any woman would have that kind of reaction to a bunch of guys. Still, there was probably a whole other layer for Cat beyond the background radiation of worrying about what men might do. Given how violent my father had been, I also had the occasional anxiety spike around other men. It would probably explain why most of my friends were women. I stepped over, putting myself between Cat and the guys as we continued walking. Cat let out a breath a little bit after we passed them. Thank you she said. No problem. I kind of wish we'd talked about this stuff sooner. Might have made things easier. Yeah, but you never know how people are going to react to information like that. That's 
probably why. God, I hate the pity and the I'm sorry's. Right? It's like you weren't the one kicking the crap out of me. What are you sorry for? Though, I'll take that over the, well, raising kids is tough shit. Oh. Cat let out a throaty growl. We weren't swapping stories about the trauma, but the secondary effects. It was nice to have a confidant about these things. Trish was wonderful, and talking to a therapist could be very helpful. Still, there's a difference between someone having an intellectual understanding of how much it sucked and someone whose experience was much closer to your own. But yeah, maybe now that we know what's going on, we can... I wasn't sure what I was trying to say. Talk about it? Yeah, maybe. Well, that too, but more, uh, navigate our interactions. Words are failing me. Oh no, I get it. We reached the west entrance of the Marlboro building. She swiped her keycard and said, Would you walk me to my door? She looked nervous. I figured she was still a little shaken up about Mark and that group of guys. Certainly. The door led into a small courtyard in the middle of the apartment complex. A few people were milling about, coming and going. We came up to her doorway. Are you really going to be okay with this? I asked. Are you planning on getting handsy tomorrow? No, I promise you. I'll be the perfect gentleman. Perfect gentleman? Really? No matter what? I placed my right hand on my heart and raised my left. No matter what. Then her smile made me feel like I had walked into a trap. I want to try something. Can you stand there? She said, pointing to the doormat in front of her door. She left her door open and walked into her apartment before hanging her coat on a peg on the wall. Her motions looked slow and deliberate. She towed off her flats and set them on a mat. She shucked off her cardigan and put it on a little side table on top of a pile of mail. She took a few short steps further into her apartment and set her phone on a small shelf near her. Then she reached behind her back and turned around to face me. I had made some assumptions about Catherine, that she was sweet and innocent. The smile on her face told me I'd been all kinds of wrong about that. I heard the sound of a zipper before her skirt fell to the floor. The tails of her dress shirt covered enough of her to keep her PG-13. So, I could completely undress in front of you, all alone in my apartment. Her eyes darted to her phone. I don't think she meant to do that. And you wouldn't make a single move. I swallowed. Not unless you asked. My voice came out just this side of a whisper. She started unbuttoning her shirt. What if I told you I wouldn't? Couldn't let you in. 
you'd only be able to stand there and watch. Do you want me to just watch? Perfect gentleman, she smiled. Yes, I want you to watch. She started unbuttoning her shirt slowly, starting from the top. When it began gaping open, I could see the white lace of her bra. Then her light blue simple cotton panties. She dropped the shirt to the floor. There she stood in only her underwear. It wasn't the kind most would have described as sexy, but at that moment it had more eroticism than the skimpiest lingerie. At some point, she'd removed her ankle socks. They were on the floor, but I had no idea when or how that happened. Magic. The whole act had me incredibly turned on. If I had an ounce of brain power to devote to anything but drinking in her image, I might have wondered if something this sexually charged would be enough when I was alone. But I wasn't thinking about that. I was thinking about Catherine. She reached up and pulled her hairpin out. Flowing blonde hair cascaded down her shoulders. I'd never seen her with her hair down before and hadn't realized how long it was. It reached down to her lower back. There wasn't enough in front of her to obscure anything. But she certainly could if she wanted to. She put her hands behind her and unclasped her bra, holding it in place with one hand as she slipped the other arm out. She crossed one arm over her chest, pinning her bra to her body. There she stood, looking me up and down. Her eyes were searching me, assessing me for something. She stepped closer to the door and stopped just inside the threshold. She lifted her arm enough to let the bra land between us, but not enough for me to see anything more than the top of her breasts. They looked like they'd be a nice handful each. Ty, could you pick that up for me, please? I bent at the knee so I wouldn't have to take my eyes off her. Raw in hand, I stood and held it out to her. Thank you, she said, taking it from my hand before tossing it on the floor behind her. She looked me up and down again, making an obvious stop at my crotch. I don't know what it looked like from her angle but I felt like I was going to bust my zipper. You're not tempted to touch me? Not even a little bit? Oh, cat, I am very tempted, but I'd never do anything that you aren't comfortable with. I'm glad I was right about you. Perfect gentlemen. I think we'll work together fine. Have fun with the rest of your night. She winked at me, then slowly closed the door. Ooh, that is a very 
steamy scene. I love that. I think that is a great excerpt and I cannot wait to read this story. We've got two people that have a history of abuse and things that impact their relationships. And so they connect on that level, but they're also both hesitant, but they're hesitant together. And that makes even a more connection. And he understands her and she understands him. And they are embarking on a potentially very sexy, mutually satisfying and respectful relationship interaction. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I can't wait to find out. This was really fun to read. I really enjoyed sharing this excerpt reading with the author, Guy White. What a fun thing. I absolutely love doing this kind of thing. It is so fun to also mix my voice with the author's voice as a character. Oh, thank you for doing this. And I just, it was really cool and really fun. Well, Guy White, thank you for coming to talk with me. Welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to hear more about what you do and about your work. I've read some of it and I love it. I have an icebreaker question. Okay. (laughs) All right. I usually jump right in with this. (laughs) Usually takes people a little off guard. What's your favorite sexual position? And I'm not going to complain if you tell me why. Uh Okay. I like missionary. I like being able to, you know, see my wife, see whoever is involved. I guess that makes me sound boring, but there's advantages to that position. At least when um, I am the one in control, my wife and I also enjoy some pegging. And for that, it's doggy style is best. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I don't think missionary is boring at all. I actually love missionary too. It just, for me, it just hits me in the right spot, especially my legs are bent. You can look at each other. You can look in each other's eyes. I think missionary is a great, it gets a bad rap, I think. I think maybe the name may have some, something to do with that. The idea that it's Sounds It makes it sound puritanical or something. Yeah, you're right. It does. It makes it seem just so vanilla. And it's really not. I think yeah. that's true. That's a good point. I never thought of that before. <laughs> that's really interesting. So tell me about your writing and where people can find it. Well, currently my first book is out on Amazon, Lockdown and Dirty. It can also be got through their Kindle Unlimited. I have a Patreon with some short stories and some interviews and articles, adding more all the time. And I do have a work in progress, friend in need, which I'm hoping to have done soon. I keep running into that problem where I keep going, oh, wait, I need to add this scene. And this is a novel you're writing? Yes. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes you do get stuck on stuff, but you eventually get through it. But yeah, I know exactly what you're saying there. Yeah, sometimes it's fun to all of a sudden an idea pops in your head and you're like, wait, I need to add this. It's a somewhat complicated love triangle. So there's a lot of emotions to sort of figure out, work through, make sure that in the end, works out. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. You do need to make sure it works out because it needs to flow, obviously, and you want it to be the best you can, can be. Yeah, I... 
it's funny because this was a story that I had sort of half done ish before I, before my wife prodded me enough to publish lockdown and dirty. I came to this, I came to writing erotica during COVID, which I think from a lot of the people I've been talking to is sort of when they took this dive or started writing it. Yeah. Everyone picked up their own little quarantine habits, quarantine hobbies. Besides writing erotica, I also learned some lock picking. Oh, okay, cool. Like for cars, like someone locks their keys in their cars or? I've yet to work on cars. It's mostly been like door locks. Okay. That's a different, that's an interesting talent. I have no idea how to do that. (laughs) Somebody needs to know, right? Yeah, I had a friend who was really into lock sport, which is essentially doing it as a challenge, not criminally or professionally. Again, had a lot of extra time. And it's actually surprisingly soothing. Ah, it's very interesting. I've never met anybody who knows how to do it other than when I've had to call one once. <laughs> Some way we need that. We need people that know how to do that. Absolutely. <laughs> Mistakes well, it's happen. funny because um, I am working on a short story right now for my Patreon involving a locksmith and somebody who had an issue with the lock on their chastity belt. See, that's where real life can impact your writing. That's awesome. We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean-shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah, it's fun to be able to pull in details like that. Yes. 
So tell me why you chose erotica. You said during the pandemic, you kind of just started doing that. What was the trigger for you to want to choose the genre of erotica? Well, a couple things. So I've been writing since forever. I have my day job right now is as a freelance writer. Okay. Currently, my, my freelance jobs are mostly like business news, fairly sure. dry topics. Right. But happened was first thing that sort of started it was a while back, somebody on romance writer Twitter had made some really bizarre comment that you could not write consent and make it sexy. Uh And I started thinking, what? Yeah. If you can't make the idea of that sort of push and pull, figuring it out sexy, I, I don't know what to tell you. Right. And then there was an erotica writing contest. And I thought, why not? Yeah, absolutely. So I wrote, I wrote the first version of Lockdown and Dirty, submitted it. I did not win, but had a ton of positive feedback. So I was writing more and would have all stayed on my computer. Except my wife said, this is really good. You should publish it and she said that for several months (laughs) occasionally i am slow Uh, i think the biggest part of it is i doubt myself a lot even though wherever i put stuff genre format i have all these people like wow this is really good And yet every time I hit that submit button, I feel like I'm going to die (laughs) just from embarrassment. But eventually she prodded me enough and said, okay, I'm going to go through one more round of edits on it just to really clean it up, tighten it up, and then put it on Kindle. Absolutely. You know, I think with time and the more feedback you get that is positive, of course, you're going to get the negatives at some point, but... That is really a huge confidence builder. And I think that is what's scary for people when they first start doing it. You know, are people going to like this? Other piece to that is eventually you're going to get haters. Everyone gets haters. And you got to not let that put you back to that low confidence level. You know, you've got people that love your stuff. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's what it's about. Yeah. Well, and I think it's funny. So I suffer from depression. Pretty severe depression. Sure. And when it comes to sort of the haters, none of them can touch the level to which my brain does it all by itself. So Mm. I find it pretty easy to sort of dismiss other people's criticism of me. My own brain. That can be helpful. <laughs> I'd say that can be helpful. And yay to your wife for getting you to put it out there. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. Kind of funny because we've been talking a lot since joining Erotica Writer Twitter. And then she made her own account. And now she has her OnlyFans, okay. which was an interesting journey. <laughs> yep. We've been talking back and forth how I have told her forever that she's beautiful and sexy and she's told me forever that my writing's great but there's this thing that happens 
when you have a really supportive partner where you start to hear their support and their praise and their encouragement as, well, you know, of course they would say that. They love me. Yeah, sure. And it's it's been really interesting to see how that's shifted now that there's a lot of outside positive feedback to the both of us. Yeah, I could see that totally. That makes a lot of sense. It's very cool, though. I mean, it's great. <laughs> I have to thank erotica writer Naughty Twitter. Is that a specific person or you just mean the erotica community on Twitter? The erotica community on Twitter. We posted, started in the fleets, which sadly will soon be gone. They're getting rid of fleets? I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. They're getting rid of fleets. Oh, why? I don't know. It's Twitter. They tend to do things without any sort of sense or explanation. Yeah. (laughs) But, yeah. She, as part of the quarantine, figuring something out new to do, she started getting into corsets. And she let me post a picture of her in her corset on a fleet. Ah. Got a lot of positive feedback. So then she made her own account and posted a couple more corset pictures. And it was like within four days after from the feedback, she was like, should I start OnlyFans? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes, please. Because I'm deviant who likes other people lusting after my wife. (laughs) Good for you. You celebrate her sexuality. I think that's fabulous. Yeah. She's lucky to have you. That's really cool. Seriously. I think that's really cool. I mean, you're, you're, you're basically celebrating her and she wants to do it. So that's great. Yeah. I mean, it's, we've been married over 15 years at this point. Okay. So when it comes to supporting each other, it's pretty much, yeah, whatever you, whatever she wants to do, I'm hundred percent there. Love to hear that kind of stuff. That's just fabulous. And she's obviously very supportive of your supportive of your writings. That's just great. You guys are a great team. Yeah. Tell me what's your favorite part of the writing process when you're beginning a new work of art, work of art. It is a work of art. Yeah. <laughs> So the way I write my first draft is a very free-flowing, free-writing, semi-stream-of-consciousness garbage. Gotcha. I do this, it took me a long time to realize this was how my writing process worked, because I tried forever to be a planner, Uh, to to write outlines, because that's you know, everyone's like, oh, no, write an outline. And then I realized, yeah. no, that that just isn't how my brain works. Sure. So I do a beeline from beginning to end. And, of course, halfway through, usually it's like completely changing what the plot is. <laughs> but just getting to the end and going, okay, now let's clean up this mess. Right. And that is kind of my favorite part is where I'm taking that absolute chaos and imposing certain level of order to it. And each time I go through it, tweaking it, getting it to be something that another person could read and maybe make sense out of. Sure. So you're kind of like more like you call yourself more of a pantser than... Yes, it took me a long time to get to the fact that you're a pantser. And I mean, with a lot of things in my life, it's been that 
after the fact, kind of going, well. <laughs> a lot of the experts tell you not to do pantsing, but I tell you, I talk to so many authors, writers that do it and it works for them. I, what I tend to do is what I call reverse outlining. I will pants it, that mm-hmm. first draft, and sure. then go back and go through it and figure out what's supposed to happen. So, yeah, I have my, my first drafts are nothing I think anybody else could read and make sense of. <laughs> my second drafts tend to be like full on rewrites from the outline that I made from that chaos first draft. Okay, sure. I tried, I tried so long to do that stuff with the outline. I have always wanted to write and I've always written. Like my first job was as a journalist for a small town newspaper. Okay. And I was constantly reading books on writing. Sure. Like yes. All the, all the, all the little tips and tricks. And there was so much of that was absolutely useless to me once I realized actually how it works for me. Yeah. I think that's true. Everyone's so different. I find it so interesting to talk to other authors because they all do different things. Yes. There's a lot of advice out there, but yeah, it doesn't work for everybody. Yeah. And I do think it's funny because a lot of those books on writing tend to approach it as this is the one true way. Yes, they do. I have to agree. And it's probably the one true way for them. Yeah. Once you find what works for you, it works. One of the other jobs I had during college, I was a writing tutor. Okay. And that was sort of where I started to realize my process was different. Sure. Especially when I was telling other people, do what works for you. Yes. That's the best advice, really. Yeah. So in all your writing that you've done so far in Erotica, do you have a favorite character or story or book? Right now, I have, when I, when I talk about works in progress, I have several. And another one of those things about discovering my process was realizing if I get stuck on one project, even for like five minutes, okay, if the words aren't happening, I switch to another project. Sure because then it gets the words flowing and then I'll hop back to what is like my primary one, which is like I said, right now, that's the, a friend in need. There's one that I am working on as my second one that will hopefully be coming out after a friend in need called exposure. Okay. Which is about a photographer and he had the love of his life more like the lust of his life, the hard crush sure. in college who he counted as the one who got away. So after that, he sort of changed how he approached life, approached women, and then runs into her several years later. And there's a whole other part of their relationship now. And that is shaping up to be my favorite. I'm really hoping to get that one out. That sounds a very, like a very interesting storyline. Yeah, it it started as a it started as another story that I tried to write from the woman's perspective and that didn't work. Narratively it worked. The problem was I ran into a whole lot of men writing women stuff. Sure. 
I need practice there. Yeah. And so I looked at it and said, okay, uh, actually, if I age them up a little, make it longer period of time, I'll write it from his perspective. And I think it's a challenge that I will continue to fiddle with, but I look at it, know that sometimes it's just not going to work and it's okay to scrap it and try something new. Right. That's true. Absolutely. And so you said you've been writing your whole life. Did you write as a child or is it something that where you came into as an adult? Oh, as a, as a, as a child, I, I started writing, like telling stories before I knew how to spell. (laughs) That's awesome. And it's just been a great way for me to think. Like I write plenty of fiction, but I also write even just nothing that I'm going to share. But if I have something I'm trying to work out in my head, I write it down. Sure. My brain is a little too chaotic without some sort of focus. Sure. Yeah, I totally get that. I totally love writing too. I've written since I was a child as well. It's just fun. And yeah, it's a, for you, that's, that's what you got to do. <laughs> well, and it's funny. Not that writing is easy or sort of like trying to say that erotica is easy or something. But for me, when it comes to erotica stuff, I feel like I can finish, which now that I say it like that, that sounds like bad phrasing. Um, <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> keep that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, Fantastic. But what happens is with other stuff, I write fantasy, science fiction, some memoir stuff. I'm constantly tweaking it. I, I feel like I'm never quite satisfied sure do you feel like erotica is your favorite one or do you like one of those other genres better erotica has become my favorite like Mm -hmm. as soon as i started writing it like you said it's not easy easy but it was easier was Mm -hmm. simpler about the relationships which you can make them complicated but the idea being the sort of beginning to end i don't do the horrible ending stuff yeah so it was like knowing how it's going to end kind Mm -hmm. of helped I know there are plenty of people who do the bad ends but I like when it comes to romance erotica that coming at the end you will know not that necessarily happy happily ever after but at least happy for now yes tend to write that way and I tend to want to read that myself Actually, it's a little funny that when it comes to reading, I don't read as much what I call A-plot romance. Okay. If it's like a B-plot thing, there was actually a really interesting series I just got done. Yeah, there's a series by writer Jesse Mihalik. Okay. And it starts with Polaris Rising. It's a sci-fi adventure that has this whole overarching plot about a political thing with faster than life trap faster than light travel okay uh, all this stuff and interspersed in between it and there are three books following three sisters in this 
family. And they, of course, get really down and dirty with their respective love interests. Ah. And so when it comes to that, I can read that better than I read just straight up romance, but I like writing the straight up romance. Gotcha. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) That's very interesting. That storyline sounds very interesting. I I love learning about what other people write. Our brains are just amazing. There's so much awesome stuff out there. It's just phenomenal. So in speaking about when you said you were a child, you would, this question kind of ties into that. What was an early experience where you learned that language had power? That is a hell of a question. I know. I ask every author that and everybody always just like, it stops them in their track and they're like, whoa, yeah, <laughs> I love it. Well, so sparing the gory details, my childhood was not great. Sure. Um, and so, well, it was something that I fully realized later in life. It was the escapism of fiction. Yeah. Where there could be good guys and bad guys, but the world overall made sense. It tended to be the here is a problem and however you know random securitist the root is eventually you can solve that problem through your actions and so i really enjoyed that escapism were you an avid as a child oh yeah well oddly enough when i talked about like i was storytelling before i could spell Mm-hmm. That didn't happen until about the fourth grade. Like I was functionally illiterate. Ah. And then once finally clicked for me, couldn't stop. Like I blew through books just like I got into uh, dating myself somewhat. The R.L. <laughs> uh, Stein Goosebump books and the K.A. Applegate Animorphs books. Sure. just flew through those (laughs) so much to the point that I was looking for more and more to read Ah. and eventually started reading like Stephen King horror novels way too young. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well before you should do that uh, as a child. (laughs) Yeah, whatever I could get my hands on. Yeah. Uh, I mean... Slightly more appropriate was like Lord of the Rings. Oh, sure. I even read the really boring stuff like the Salmerillion, <laughs> which uh. I don't know. There may be some hardcore Tolkien fans who will find that to be sacrilege, but it, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's like reading the fantasy version of, you know, Bible. So-and-so begat so-and-so just, but I read it. I, yeah, there was not, not a time where I wasn't reading once I figured it out. Yeah, I can totally appreciate that. I was, I was the kid I had my sister and she wanted me to play games all the time. And I just wanted to read. I'm like, I don't want to play a game. I'm reading a book. I too would fly (laughs) through them and I would drive her crazy because she's like, you just play a game with me already. (laughs) One more chapter. Just just one more chapter. (laughs) Exactly. One more chapter. 
<laughs> and she was not a reader. So she just didn't get me. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I definitely think there's that sort of, there are the readers. And, mm. you know, when it comes to everything else, it's like, no, I have my book. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't need it. It's introverted bookish types are, I definitely fell into that category. Yeah. <laughs> in college, I was a total partier, but I was also a total reader. Like, you know, you're reading your textbooks during the week, but I was the person who, if I had my dorm room alone for the weekend and my roommate went home, I sat there and I would plow through a book on the weekend, a fiction book, you know, obviously I'm reading nonfiction for school, but I would just, and I was in heaven. Like I can just plow through this book in no time. It was the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Dipping into my journalistic instincts. What did you go to college for? Actually, I have very interesting background. I have a double major in biology and environmental science with a minor in writing. And I also actually have a nursing degree. I also have a bunch of classes that I took because I at one point was going to go to veterinary. So I have a very strange background, I know, but I've always written my entire life. Even as a child, like I would take a little notebook and I would write down stories hand by hand. And when I was like, you know, third, fourth grade. So and then when I got into high school, I just wrote like crazy. I wrote tons of poetry and it was my escape and I had a lot of issues and it really helped me survive to write. Like you said, you know, just writing things down really made a difference for me in working through some, you know, issues I had. I had depression as a teenager myself. So I am familiar with that. I have depression in my family and writing actually really helped me with that as a teenager. Yeah funny because in college I had gotten my my degree in creative writing literature uh, uh, yeah. like I said I always wanted to write so I thought get that and then I'll do writing and while I did writing it didn't quite work out career-wise um, yeah. you know but eventually got into freelancing and journalism it's funny to see some people's journey from what they studied to where they ended up yeah. so that's kind of that's kind of funny about looking you know going through all those things and then eventually coming to yeah writing yeah I always shake my head at myself like I wanted I wanted to major in writing or journalism but I kept telling myself am I gonna find a job am I gonna find a job so I picked majors that were likely find a job and then I was bored as hell I really liked nursing but being I was, a, I was a scientist for a few years at a major university. I did the same experiments every damn day. I was so bored. <laughs> I'm like, fuck this shit. I am so fucking bored. I need something different. So I ended up thinking about going to veterinary school. And then I ended up going to nursing school instead, which I did love nursing. But here I am back writing again, which is where I started to begin with. So <laughs> I can't complain about all my experiences, but I'm back at writing again, <laughs> which is where I should have stayed. I think there's that impulse for writers. And it's funny, I have talked a lot on Twitter and to different people about, I understand where the idea of the Greek myth of the muse appeared. Like mm -hmm. when you're writing if you have that that spark, if you have that idea, you just gotta you just gotta get it down. Or yeah. at least for me, like it sits there in the back of my brain, distraction from other things. Like, no, I have to get this down. Yes. 
And then, of course, stories have that way of taking off and going in directions you were expecting them, which yeah. is the thing that is hard to explain sometimes to non-writers because it's like, you're the one writing it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Technically, I am the one writing this story. But I am not necessarily always in control. <laughs> I love that. It's your imagination at work. Yeah. Do you feel like you do any sort of research for your work when you're, when oh, you're writing? Yeah. yeah. I. So no matter what I'm writing, I'm researching for it. My day job is business journalism. So, of course, I've got to look up all sorts of stats and statistics. Mm. But when it comes to uh, fiction writing, suspension of disbelief is a very fragile thing. Yeah. You can have flying cars and dragons and all this unrealistic stuff. But if you were to describe something that someone was an expert on and you got it wrong, that's... That throws people out. I actually recently had read this story, and overall, I liked the story. It was backstage, fake romance, <laughs> fake fake wedding romance, I think was the subtitle. And it was overall really good, but they had a little bit about immigration in there. And I know quite a bit about immigration law from previous career. Okay. And so every time they mentioned that, I was like, that's not quite how that works. Um, right. So it's, but overall, I did enjoy it. I just sort of like turn off that part of my brain every time they mentioned. Yeah. Mentioned it. Right. And so I try really hard to avoid that when I'm writing. It's a little funny when <laughs> I'm fairly certain that the the FBI agent who watches my search history would be very confused. <laughs> <laughs> I like that statement. That's a really cool statement. <laughs> That's awesome. I think any writer, like if you looked at their search history, you'd have to be like, what? Like, and I know there are some people who they just go for it and they, some of them ma manage to make it work. Yeah. But yeah. I just have to know. And then of course I, I tend to do that rabbit hole thing. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, here I am, like I said, this, the short story I'm writing about the somebody needing help with the lock on of chastity belt. Mm. I have not had anything to do with chastity belt stuff. Right. So I had to do a lot of research just for the idea of like, okay, what kind of locks would be involved? Yeah. And it's one of those things where where writing kind of comes together that career in journalism really helps with my research skills. So oh, I tend I to bet. do okay. Yeah, I bet. That's perfect. And yeah, I think you're right. I think people were to look up writers have searched online. It would be very interesting. <laughs> definitely. We're definitely an interesting bunch. Well, and I think I had asked just as a joke question on Twitter, like, how brave are you? Are you searching without using incognito mode brave or something like that it, <laughs> actually quite a few of the writers were like well when it comes to my research no uh, <laughs> i don't i don't i don't need it you know i want to be able to find it again yeah personal use dot 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 <laughs> mm -hmm. 
<laughs> I totally get it. Yeah, I'm writing a lesbian piece right now, and I have a friend who is a porn star, and she has done pegging on women. And I'm like, okay, I've never done this. So I interviewed her on that because I don't know what that's like. So I totally get that. You want it to be accurate. Otherwise, people will be like, you lose something. You lose your reader when you when it's not accurate. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny because when it comes to sorry, never mind, that thought died. <laughs> oh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. So especially when it comes to talking about a relationship <laughs> that you don't have a lot of experience with, it makes sense to talk with somebody who's been there. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it was a really fun conversation, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I can't deny that. <laughs> and I do have a couple, I don't know, other projects where, yeah, that's it's very important to sort of figure out, can you portray this accurately? And sometimes yes. you do have to say, no, this is, even with the research, I'm just not, I'm just not there. This isn't working. Right impact the depth you go into that topic or you may completely eliminate it you know and i do think it's funny i i i do think it's funny how this community on twitter is so very supportive yes when it comes to that like i have asked some fairly off the wall questions and gotten a ton of really great advice and information i have my so Guy White is my pen name. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a, you know, my quote unquote real Twitter account. Oh, yes, me too. <laughs> and it's funny because I have found this, you know, naughty Twitter, erotica writer Twitter, adult content creator and consumer Twitter to be fantastically supportive compared yes. to the other Twitter, you know, spheres I've been in. Oh, yes. So, yeah, you can totally just ask a question. You'll get all these people like, oh, yeah. Uh, which actually, I had recently kind of run this poll about what other straight men are willing to do in a threesome with a woman and another guy. Oh, I saw that on your, on your timeline because I was peeking at it. <laughs> I didn't read it yet, yeah. though, but interesting. Yeah spawned an article that I put on my Patreon just because the responses were fascinating. Awesome. Yeah. It's, it's funny because realizing that as they did put it in my articles, like understanding that my sample size was small and it was mostly in that sort of naughty Twitter sphere. Sure. Even given that the amount of straight men who were like, Oh yeah, I'd, I'd totally do whatever if the, my lady friend wanted me to. Sure, why not? Sure. People open to that. Yeah. I totally agree with you, though, because I've been in, actually, I've been in the writing community on Twitter under my real name for quite a while before I dipped myself into the erotica writing community, and they are totally different. The erotica writing community on Twitter is absolutely phenomenal. It's supportive. It's great. I just... It's absolutely amazing. And there's such a difference. It's not, there's no comparison at all. Maybe it's, maybe it has something to do with that. Like once, once you've broken down that barrier about sex, like, you know, once you've already broached the topic of like anal fisting, you know, talking about 
tense you like to write in seems like nothing. Right. True. You feel also that I feel like erotica writers are just very, they're very open. They're very non-judgmental. They're just, I don't know. They're just really special people. <laughs> it's it's funny ending up here. And again, one of those silly questions. I, I ask a lot of questions. I'm inquisitive. I can't help it. Uh, <laughs> but I had sort of asked, so how many of the erotica writers out there are, you know, burned out former gifted and talented kids and kind of responses are like how dare you call me oh. out like this <laughs> and, i don't know it, it, there's this amazing sense of camaraderie and yes. mutual aid yes that is yeah i i really wish i had taken this plunge so much earlier oh i know right so many writers say that that's why we all just need to do it So what is your definition of success as a writer? What does that look like for you? Well, I would love to be able to support myself 100% on just writing for fun, like writing the stuff I enjoy writing. I really do think that the definition of success for a writer is writing. Yeah. There are so many roadblocks to that if you manage to write something from beginning to end that is even vaguely readable like thumbs up go you pat yourself on the back right granted i will tell that to other people when it comes to me (laughs) i have trouble believing that yeah but if you if you've written something like that is amazing that is something that i think there are people who want to write who talk themselves out of it yeah one of the essential tools of being a writer is you have to have a certain level of self criticism and i think some people get swallowed up in that and they never finish so if you've beaten you know the for some reason the way I'm looking at this, I'm thinking like that, you know, shoulder devil. Oh yeah. <laughs> if you if you let that talk, if you let that criticism talk you out of it, like it's hard to resist that. So if you've managed to beat that back and write something, yeah, that's that's great. I think it would be awesome to just be able to write smutty books professionally, but that's like I don't know second success success plus i don't know success premium subscription account or something like <laughs> sure sure yeah absolutely i love that perspective you you just can just yeah i mean that is success if you write something from beginning to end that's that's huge i mean you've created a world a story an experience i mean that's really cool and i just that's yeah, a great perspective i love that well, and you were talking about like the power of language, the power of writing. Yeah, like we create worlds. Yeah. That's that's amazing. It is. Well, and it also comes to like I I love language in general. I took a bit of linguistics in college, like, you know, that and writing like give me language. And I think it's funny because when you get down to it, language is so meaningful but meaningless yeah like like if you think about 
this like we make these random sounds we write these random squiggles and we've just it's like we're all playing this big game of pretend that that these these sounds we make have any meaning and somehow still that manages to convey so much you know like right now we're we're talking conveying all these ideas using completely arbitrary sounds yes it's fascinating Exactly. Oh, I, yeah, I think language is so interesting, too. And how it is so powerful. The way it's said is so powerful as well. Combinations yeah. that we come up with. Do you have anything long term for your goals that you'd like to share with us? I mean, I know you, you mentioned writing a long novel. Is that kind of your goal? Or do you have others that you have in mind as well? When it comes to a long-term goal, I want to keep doing this. I have other non-erotica projects that I would like to complete, but at least for a little while, I would like to keep doing this. I would like to establish myself here. If I could manage to at least semi-significantly supplement my income with naughty books, that yeah. would be great. Absolutely. That's a great goal. <laughs> yeah. I have, like I said, when I, when I, when I write, I have these multiple projects that I bounce around. I have like this point, eight different projects that are at the point where it's not just a few random notes, like just an idea written down. Sure. Um, and I am working on some other stuff that I might put under a baiting back and forth, slightly less fluffy stuff sure i met some other people who i'm writing stuff with that's a little darker and i don't think i necessarily want that attached to this pen name where it's Uh. all positive vibes here i mean i write i write traumatized characters because they say right what you know like everybody even in lockdown and dirty where i don't get into it necessarily as much because it's a short story and i think certain topics require a bit more room yes uh, i mean i have this whole body image issue thing and i my the the male lead there andy has his own issues but i don't too much again because i wanted first foray out i yeah i i stick with this idea of writing these characters have so many of these ideas that i want to I want to finish creating the world, I guess, would be the way to put it. Sure. And up with more. It's just how my brain works. Sorry. The way my brain gets sparked by a new idea. I had my, the first short story I put up on my Patreon was started because someone had said, you have to learn the rules of grammar before you can break them. And because it was an erotica writer talking, two words popped into my head. And so then I wrote a whole short story about a you know ds bdsm relationship between a student teacher because she purposely broke the rules yeah so anything like anything anybody says can practically can just set off some idea and i so many stories i want to tell well that's awesome you won't run out of material then that's 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 great i mean that's what you want 
even though it kind of feels a little overwhelming where you're, that's the way I feel anyway. I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. All takes time. So I get impatient with myself. I'm like, I want to work on that. I want to work on that. <laughs> but they all take time. Yeah. So can you think of one to three people who have influenced you the most with regards to your writing? When it comes to writing in general, I had a high school teacher who was the first person to make me think, maybe you can actually do this, like, as a, not just as this hobby, right? but as a dare something. When it comes to the more literary side of writing, Toni Morrison is my all-time fave. Oh, yes. Writer. Fabulous. Uh, yeah. And... I know it sounds mushy, but my wife. That's awesome. She has been so encouraging. And also there's a fair number of my characters based somewhat on her. Okay. It's various aspects. And I don't know. I guess I would say she's my muse. Nice. Again, I know that sounds really mushy, but I love her to pieces. So mm-hmm. I guess that's okay. I think it's awesome. I think that's great. <laughs> it's a great inspiration. Absolutely. And when it comes to just like this erotic writing community, I feel like I could not do a complete list of all the writers who have been so great. But I do want, I would want to give one small shout out to uh, Lacey Cross. Oh, I just interviewed Lacey. Oh, that's, yeah, she... I don't know. She's been great about like just answering questions, sending me tips. Yeah, it was, I felt very lost <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. when I sort of hopped into this world. Right. And she was a big help. Yeah, actually, I just published her interview just in last week. So it's live. <laughs> She's fabulous. Oh. So yeah. now people can, people listening to this can be like, oh, yeah, I can go listen to Lacey's interview next. <laughs> She's That's fantastic. Awesome. I love that. Gosh, I know the writing community, erotica writing community on Twitter is just, it's just, can't even describe it. It's so amazing. It really is. I could gush about them forever. Like, I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I started doing some of my own little interviews with people. Because I was like, these people are great. They've got some fascinating stories. Yes. You know, both the ones they write and how they got here. I think, yeah, there's, there should definitely be more, I don't know, more props to them, given all that they're doing. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've been I've been interviewing a lot of authors from that I've met on Twitter, and I've just been having a blast. It's so fascinating to talk with people and learn how they got to where they are right now. It's just again. Yeah. And I think again, with the erotica writing community, very open. (laughs) Yes. I mean, I know those of us who are working under pen names have to be a little cagey about discussions. Mm-hmm. Yes. I would, I would love to live in a world where writing erotica would not negatively impact my day job. Yes. But that's not the world we live in. So No, it's I not. Will, yeah. I will continue to write under this pen name. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would like us to know or that you would like to add? Just 
I think just that I really have enjoyed this community and everyone's been so supportive. They're just great people. Absolutely. I found the exact same thing. So I will add Guy White's links in the podcast notes so that you can have access to his book, to him on Twitter. You can connect with him on Twitter. I want to thank you so much for talking with me. I really enjoyed talking with you. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. This has been fun. You have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning you get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going there. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.